Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And thank you for joining us for our Hawthorne, or as I call it, the uh, Titchell podcast. Basically, the entire podcast is centered around one player. I love it. It is. I love Let's it. Let's do it. Um, so before we move on, thank you to all our subscribers on YouTube and on uh, all our audio platforms as well, actually. So SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, yeah, you name it. So Twitcher. So Twitcher. many. Twitcher. Twitch. <laughs> so many. Twitch. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, Stitcher. Stitch is the one. So Tune if you're in. watching this on you YouTube, it. please hit the subscribe. Uh, it's been going gangbusters. You can also find us facebook.com forward slash SC Insider. And Twitter, it is SC underscore Insider underscore. And Twitch is uh, twitch.tv forward slash SC underscore Insider. We finally got it all right. You people finally been, got it right. People have been searching our tags and be like, that's not true. That's not real. It's true. Um, anyway, so Hawthorne, and basically the big debate is why did we get reamed on Titch being so expensive? Uh, uh, some guy sitting behind a desk at uh, Herald Sun decided to shaft everyone this year by uh, absolutely ruining us with Titch, and I, I just don't really like it. It's not very fair. I don't, it, I don't it, enjoy it. It hurts, but on the, at the same time, it now makes it... He's not his own, which means if he was 560k, he would be in, in everyone's, a, everyone's side. So I get it in that fact because now, instead of him being a certain stutter in my side, I'm not stunning him. He's, you know, it's it's a, basically priced to the point where you need to be guaranteed to be averaging 115 plus 120 for the season. Now, do I think he can get to that point? Maybe. But do I think he's going to start there? No. I mean, we can probably get into a little bit more we will. in depth, but... But it is the big it's question. A tough, it's a tough, tough ask. Uh, a quick little cheers to you, Chris. So it is 9.40am in Brisbane. It but is. Um, look, hey, I'm going to go with one of these. Cause, uh, why not? It's, well, it's, yeah, it's the it. weekend. And, I'm having um, a coffee because I'm not generally a morning person, I'll be honest. But That's true. But, well, Chris is paying for it, so I'm going to have a beer, everyone. I, I owe you about 12 more, though, so... Well, and good, because you're getting empty. <laughs> Excellent. Mm. All right, so let's have a look at the season review for Carl- um, Carlton. <laughs> we just talked about how Chris got some uh, hate for ripping on Carlton. Which, I mean, you know, Carlton suck. Chris, you can't you can't be saying that, Chris. <laughs> Everyone is equal unless you're in the Gold Coast. I'm sure, yep. I'm, I'm sure if I was saying Gold Coast suck, the guy would agree. Yeah, Tasmania. Move to Tasmania. It's just because he's a Carlton fan. Oh, don't he's even like, start oh, don't, me. Don't rip don't on Carlton. Don't start me on moving Gold Coast to Tasmania. There's no merit. Uh, okay, so... Hawthorne, we're actually 15th for contested possessions. So, Titch, um, they need him, basically. So yep, definitely. And again, um, Clarko doesn't rate contested ball as much as other coaches. It's no. like win the contested ball to win the game. And Clarko says, ah, F that noise. No, he's, uh, he's big just on getting the game on your terms. So, his entire principle is about um, you know, forcing them to your will. If, you, if you're controlling the game and controlling how it flows, doesn't matter who's about contested possessions. Plus... Contested possession in itself is a flawed metric because it doesn't actually... A contested ball could just be, I picked the ball up and I handballed it to someone who got immediately tackled. It's an absolutely flawed uh, metric in that regard. It doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. But, of course, they're traditionally winning the contested possession, winning the tackles, and winning the disposal efficiency. I think those are the three most important stats in terms of... Yep. If you win those three, you pretty much win the game. Well, this year, was it was good to get some development in uh, people like Warple, but... For the year, they were 17th in clearances and 18th for centre clearances, mm-hmm. which to me is, you know, they're just hurting without 
Tom Mitchell. Uh, you know, he was a, a beast on the inside. He gets first hands on the ball. And to come last and second last for clearances and centre clearance is a big issue. However you see it or not, if they're getting the clearance straight into the, uh, the forward line, then you're relying on Sicily when he's there or even... Ben Boy McAvoy's been touted to be, uh, you know, possibly fullback this year. You know, yeah. I mean, you're relying well, on the intercepts. Big, the biggest problem with that in its entirety now is the six six six. Yep. So before Clarko could load one or two extra guys back there because if you lose the clearance, doesn't give a shit. They had fantastic halfback flankers and intercept defenders that could just roll across, yep. take the ball, and then move the ball how they want and control it behind the ball. That's what they used to do. The six 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 restricts that, especially from center clearance, of course, because. The ball's going to come out. It's coming out a lot cleaner than it's ever been before because you have a lot less pressure on the ball carrier and you only have a one-on-one defensive scenario in your in your defensive 50. So it's really hard to manage that, a lost center clearance, as opposed to what it used to be. Yep. Um, so I do think that that will shift mentality towards, okay, now let's get our best ball winners around the ball at the center clearance so we can stop them from getting easy goals from the 666. I think that's um, fair. I actually really like the 666. I think it's done fantastic. Uh, I think it's a good thing as well. Yeah. Um, but again, just going back to the stats here, it's no surprise that Hawks were second for intercepts. Yep. Um, so last for clearances, center clearances, well, basically, and then yeah, high up for clearances. In a lot of categories there, they're just kind of mid, mid-range. mid So it's nothing, it's nothing surprising. Like uncontested possessions, effective disposals, they're seventh. So it's not too bad. Uh, sixth for disposal efficiency, which I think is probably down to Clarko and their training on skills is probably better than some of the other teams. Um... I think they're also that generally speaking that most of their players, even their young players, they're all more developed. Yeah, they all had a couple of years in the system as opposed to just oh, he's a first year player, go start playing. Yeah, that's not what Clarko does. So no, and if anything, they're like oh, we'll we'll develop you for two years and then we'll recruit someone that's better <laughs> in your position. In your position, and then make you compete, and then fight him, and then trade you later. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we, we take who we want when we want. <laughs> We're Hawthorne. Yeah, um, pretty much. Fourth for tackles inside fifty. So that pretty much wraps up. So nothing too surprising there. Um, high on intercepts. Yeah, so Tom Mitchell will kind of balance out, hopefully, a little bit of that. But I think so. Yeah, they weren't high on contested possessions in 2018 either, though, no. which is the interesting part. And he does have high contested possession numbers, but he has much higher uncontested possession numbers. So I suppose with Tom Mitchell, it's not like his contested possession rate's like 55 60% like a Patrick Cripps. It's more like a 40 45%. So he still gets it. And then racks just, up. Exactly right. He just racks up gets, so much of gets that. Gets the handball received. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the 2020 draw champion data ranked them second hardest, which isn't ideal nope. uh, as far as that goes. Um, they do play Brisbane twice, Geelong twice, North Melbourne twice, Port Adelaide twice, and Sydney twice. Easy games for so them. So you look at them, yeah, not too bad, except for Brisbane, who have won, I think, the last five. Yeah. And Geelong has been, I think it's probably the best rivalry right now in the AFL in terms of every game is just an absolute banger. Um, so you don't know, you can go either way. Yeah, Easter it's, Monday, Geelong and Hawks will be They can win uh, both, they could lose one. both. It, it's really up in the air. Um, yeah, but the good thing is they don't have um, no back-to-back, back-to-back interstate trips this year, which is pretty good. And they, they do leave Victoria nine times, but four of those are in Longceston. Yep. So, you know, realistically, it's not too bad for them. Uh, as far as you know, their structure goes for the for the year. Uh, the good thing is, though, is that the games in Longceston they play Fremantle, Gold Coast, Port Adelaide, and Sydney. Oh, four easy wins. And I would and and in Longceston Hawks are harder to beat unless you're Brisbane. Um, well, they're at money side True. at the moment. I got to I got to tweak something. Um, yeah, Fremantle, Gold Coast, Port, and Sydney. So I actually racked those up as four possible, highly likely wins in Longceston. Um, so for me, it's kind of like the Hawks. I see. 
Titch improving their list, and I see them coming just outside the eighth again. I see them something coming in around that tenth sort of mark. I think there's a, there's um, like you know, it's there's four or five teams that can make those last two spots in the eight. Hawthorne are definitely one of them. Why? They've got the best coach in the league. There's one, but they are also adding yeah list depth every yeah. single season. Well, and they're a team. They're it's not like yes, you have teacher never write or what have off. you, but it's kind of like they work. No, you can't. They're in write, every game. You can't they're write in them every off. single game. So the year we thought they were going to probably slide, I think they came fourth. And so like, how did they come fourth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just co- literally coaching. So yeah, um, so that's pretty much it for that list changes. Birchall went to Brisbane. Roughhead retired. Pitney went to Carlton. A whole lot of other ones that probably aren't really relevant at all. Uh, the big ins, though, and they're, they're outs that are like fringe or old. Yep. You deal with that. Whereas ins, Sam Frost and Patton. So Frost from Melbourne, Patton from GWS. Patton's a uh, big one. Huge, yeah. And Frost will give that depth as well in that back line. So it should be interesting there. Patton's uh, Patton, a straight swap for Roughhead, pretty much. Patton's a big one. Yep. Yeah. So Patton really brings a lot. He can also tap out in the ruck if needed, depending if they go with a McAvoy or... Yeah, going in that, that line. Still, I still believe that Patton can be absolutely anything if he can get his body right. He's just so good. And we, we saw glimpses of how good he can be at GWS, but we never really got consistency out of Patton. And that's what I think is great about the Hawthorne medical team. You know, They've been able to get Jaeger O'Meara on the park for an extended period of time. Um, they've, they've just got a long history of getting injured players from other clubs into their environment, into their medical facility. Yes. And bang, all of a well, sudden... Well, Scully was meant to never run again. You yeah. know what I mean? And then he played like 21 games or something or other. Uh, yep. Yago Miro came in there with an absolute shamble and yes, took his time. Yep. But he's played, what, two games, two seasons basically straight and 21 games a season or something or other as well. Exactly. He's, so he's been highly durable since coming back. Seeing you are on Pat now, we'll skip ahead. He was one of my breakout contenders. Um, a few people have... Try to look at him for like in that forward spot just because if they play Darcy Cameron at um, you know, Ruck 3, then maybe they need some kind of backup. And look, I, I don't think there's much meat on the bone. He could be a lot. And I would not be surprised if he averaged like 90 or even high 80s. But again, there is that risk-reward liability. He is 337k though. So you are pitting him against a Devin Smith who apparently is about 55% owned now, Devin. Yep. Stupid. Um... And like your Jack Stevens and that kind of type, exactly around right. the price mark. I see him as uh, as backup if you're going Jacobs, but I don't see him as worth it if you're going Gorn. So if you're going Jacobs, having that instead of a Smith on your or yeah. or, or a Steven is a valid selection because you've got the backup there. But I don't see him as someone that you want there. If Gorn, if Gorn goes down, you're probably sideways trading him to the next available, right? Yep. And Gorn and both Gorn and Grundy have proven that over the last few years that they can basically play 20 to 22 games a season. So if you've got a Darcy Cameron that is playing or someone like that, do you really need to... I think that's the key, though. If Darcy Cameron plays, you could just go set and forget and have that player, right? Yep. Uh, if you go Jacobs and Darcy Cameron's playing, then it's, you're actually still looking in a pretty good position. Yeah, you know, that's true. It's an interesting one. Um, but here's a good thing on Patton, though, is that if he can get his body right, I wouldn't be surprised to see him average well. Um, he just needs consistency. But the benefit is, is that he might, if he does, have a big game. He's had he's hit games of 159 and a yep. 156 and a 118 before. So if he has a Absolutely. big game, his price will go through and the roof. those were games where he's going to be playing the exact same role that he is at Hawks. He's going to be playing the full forward who pinch hits in the ruck. And when he's in the ruck, he's actually really good. He's got such a big frame that he can win t- win hitouts just by bullying the other ruckman. He's a huge, huge guy. 
Um, so on the ball, he's actually quite serviceable. Yep. So I think it's interesting. Uh, it depends like on how I like him at Hawthorne a lot. Hey. Well, it depends on how they use Big Boy O'Brien um, McAvoy to be honest, because a, a report came out saying that they, he might be playing in the back line. He did Ooh. go back late in the year, taking a lot of intercepts. A lot better than everyone thought he would be. It's like, what's well, Ben Boy McAvoy doing there? I don't think that's going to be happening. I think that what they're more doing with that is he will be the number one ruck, but like Gorn does, instead of moving forward and pushing forward in contests, he might go back. He pushes behind the ball to stop the ball from coming out. And that, in my opinion, ruckmen should be doing that a lot more than pushing forward. They're much more valuable in defence cutting out opposition goals yep. rather than pushing forward and creating a contest well, where you just... Yeah, in the forward line, if it hits... Too much space. Well, in the forward line, if you're a big boy, right, yeah, you can mark it, but if you kick like Gorn anyway, they're saying you're better off just, you know, instead of it coming to your feet and then a ball running away, you can be that, that one kick back or two kicks Absolutely. back. So that way, if they try and clear the ball, then you're in a prime position to get a mark and then offload it for a kick back. There's the two 50. things that it does, which which was really important for AFL football, is that, first of all, if you're if you're a defender or an on-baller and you get a loose ball in the defensive 50 and you look up and all you can see is a 200-centimetre giant in the distance, first of all, that's inferred pressure. Because <coughs> they, they think, oh, shit, I can't kick it over them. They're outmatched by a guy that's really tall is likely to mark the ball. So then all of a sudden he starts second-thinking where his ball's going to go, and that's inferred pressure. Yep. So then he tries to turn back inside, bang, gets tackled, holding hold the, the ball, ball, whatever it is. Shut it, goal. I, I think it's more, much more <coughs> important in today's game to have a ruckman behind the ball than in front. And generally speaking, talls don't win games anymore. It's very unlikely. Something like, you know, Big O did this twice during the season. I thought it was fantastic. He went forward and he took three massive contested marks and kicked three goals in like five minutes. He did it twice this year. Yep. That sort of thing just does not happen in AFL football anymore with big talls. They're not going to really dominate a game in five minutes or ten minutes of football. So, again, behind the ball, I think they have much higher impact on the game. Leave the forwards and leave the full forward to you know, a space for the smalls to work with and put pressure on the defence yep. and then have your guy behind the ball. Yeah, I see someone like Patton at full forward, if the ball goes into the forward 50, I'd much prefer to say, if that ball's in the forward 50, you're the ruck. Yep, absolutely. You know what I mean? Have and then that way, behind. have him sitting behind. That way, not only that, you actually save the legs a little bit of the ruckman because he then works from center, from the forward 50 all the way back into defensive 50. Yeah. And you get that little bit of a, a, a zone where you can actually rest. If the ball goes in the 50, you rest and you set up behind. Someone else takes a tap work up front. I absolutely up front. agree. The other thing I'll say is that um, defenders are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So fullbacks... Especially if you're at Richmond. <laughs> yeah. Like the average height of like a, a, a fullback is like 192, 193 now. Did you get the Richmond joke? Yeah. Short? I get it. Thank you. No, it, was, it was good. It was decent, but it wasn't good, it wasn't good gear like you used to. It was all right. It was like average gear. <laughs> well, I think it went... Maybe it was so short it went over your head. <laughs> that was better than my original joke. Okay. Okay. Fair call. Fair call. All right. But yeah, so with, with fullbacks and... Um, I mean fullbacks and halfbacks they're all the same size you have like a one size fits all fullback um, whereas you know years gone past fullbacks were a lot taller a lot more cumbersome now it's about being smaller agile and a, a higher jump and more closing speed well if Caleb Daniel can get a game anyway <laughs> so but what I mean by that is that even that they're still not being able to take big grabs anymore even though they're so much shorter so because people are chopping off and uh, peeling off and chopping the the um the forward. Yep. So again, I just I don't see really the value in pushing forward as a ruckman as much as it is sitting behind and helping out your team. Okay. Well, you can apply that to all the rucks because that's some great insight coming from Chris and yours truly. You're welcome. Uh, okay. So Tom Mitchell, let's go break down the stats a little bit more. He is a uh, 530k mid. So essentially 630k mid. 630k mid. Yeah. Sorry. 
Um, 5.30. Yeah, I wish it was about 5.30. <laughs> um, 70K more than we were probably expecting. Yep. And that's why it hurts. Um, but if you look at his 2018, he played 22 games. He averaged 129.1 with 90% time on ground. Which is insane. That's the key thing. And for coming back off an injury for his first month back... A, everyone knows that when you first play your first few games, and you can train all you like, but when you actually play a game and you get hit and you take all the, the full workload of it, you're going to pull up sore. Yep. And players, they notoriously talk about how sore they get after the first couple of games of footy. I don't see Titch playing 90% time on ground for his first month to six weeks. I think it might be longer. I think they will definitely rank rate it up. It'll be like... He'll start and it'll be 65%. It'll be like the, And then it'll be 67%. Yeah, it'll be one to monitor. 70%. I think it's a good one to monitor. It's yeah. like, think of it like uh, a small man's Nick Nat. Do you know what I mean? Nick yeah. Nat, he plays a small Absolutely amount of time perfect. on ground yeah. coming back from an injury. I see Titch coming in on, I don't know what the monitored minutes are. I don't know what Clarko is going to be doing. It might be, hey, let's monitor your time depending on how the game's going. If they're winning, they might tether him back. If do they're losing, they might point, throw him in a bit more. Do we agree at this point that he's probably playing round one at this point? I do. I think yeah, so. He put, his hand, so he, put, uh, he put his hand up for the charity game, and I think they'll hold him back because, like, no, 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 no. Yeah, basically, Hawks have said we're easing it in, but he's ready. So yep. it's just waiting for the green light from the medical they're team. They're easing it in with lube. Like a gentleman. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you got to trust their medical department because they've done such a great to. job. You, so. you don't second question their medical department. Um, but the good news is that uh, just before Christmas, he took a really positive step up in that trip at Malulaba. Yep. Um, so he started to be integrated into full skills, which I think he said was a big thing. Uh, and they did say they were steadily increasing from January. Um, he actually came out saying that he's kind of holding himself back a little bit in parts, which I think is smart because yep. you want to get involved, you want to do everything, right? But coming back from a serious injury, I think they're actually being really smart about it and they're kind of picking and choosing when he goes hard and when he's backing off. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so we're doing this today and like, right, okay, for this, I might actually just go half pace and or do half of it. Basically, yeah. And then kind of And he's not up. in full match sim yet. Not yet. Um, but he has done some match simulation. But I think he's smart because it's like, okay, exactly. and then for this one, they might actually look at it and then go, okay, so today we're going to do maybe 80% of this. And we're going to attack it. We're going to play ferociously, and then we'll back off and see how we go. So I think it's a little bit of both. It's the mental side as well. And he actually touched on this, but in um, before Christmas, he actually said that the mental side of him, you know, getting back into football um, is really tough because you know, early on he was almost having nightmares about the injury itself and yeah. if he was ever going to be able to play football again and I things think like that's that. A, that like, a little a, bit of anxiety as well. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like you, you know you're going to be fine. You know you've done it before. You know you're going to be prepared. But until you get that first big hit while you're trying to kick, yeah. you're going to be a little bit anxious the night before. Absolutely. That's what he needs. He needs to get tackled. And I think we are kick. both of the opinion. You cross that line, <clears throat> it's it's game on, man. Like, yeah. if you get the, tackled, adren- the adrenaline will kick nah, in. I, don't exactly think he, right. I honestly don't think he'll think two seconds about it while he's out there. But it's the build-up. He's still going to find the, the ball like, like no one else. Well, they're gonna look for him. Yeah, he's their best player. So, okay, so we've decided that we we've decided he's probably an upgrade target for us. Um, I think they have what buy they have the last buy. That which um, it this is, is my next point. It is a good buy, and I could see value in people wanting to start him. But for me, I think I am more inclined to hope, and it's again hoping. We have no crystal ball here, but I'm hoping that he has monitored minutes for the first month. He starts off with hundred, hundred, hundred. Nice and easy. Still, I think he's still a beast of a scorer, and I still want him. Yep. I I want him, hundred percent. Oh, but I'm getting him. I am more cautious on the start. I'm hoping he starts off a bit slower with some monitored minutes. Starts off with some flat hundreds, maybe even a ninety if I'm lucky, 
And then here's probably my first point of call. Chris is starting, I think, with six deep. I'm starting with five. But my first upgrade I want is Titch. Yep. Plain and simple. I want him to start slow for the first four to six weeks. I'm jumping on with him having the last I want. I want him as well as my first. Um, I don't know if my setup's going to allow me to do that, but we'll, we'll have a look close to the start of the season. I think it's very important to get him in before the buy because you don't want to be waiting to round 14 to get no, him into when the he, team. When he starts getting his time on ground up, and you can monitor that, he will start to score, and he is a proven scorer. There'll be a time. Chris, maybe I think it might be first round of upgrades. Maybe should look at my structure and take um, take a bit I of might. I don't. I still haven't really settled on a structure yet, I'll be honest. Uh, here's the other consideration is that, yes, it's a good buy, but he shares the same buy with the Bulldogs, who there's a lot of midfields out there with a lot of Bulldogs. And Josh Kelly. And, and GWS. So if you're starting, uh, my personal opinion is you should not go into that buy round with four midfielders in the same buy. Most people starting at least two dogs. So you've got one of McRae, Bont, and Dunkley. Um, then you've got Titch and you've got Kelly. So if you've got, I think three of them is perfect because then you've got enough cover on your bench to, to float that. But if you have four, you start to run into a little bit of issues. Definitely not five. That, that would be impossible. So for me, if I'm deciding on who I want right now, I'm definitely starting with two dogs. Um, and I want Titch. I definitely want Titch before the buy. So that means that I kind of cancels myself out of getting anything about Kelly. I would have to then take out one of the dogs and replace him with Josh Kelly if I wanted Josh Kelly. If you want a Josh Kelly, two dogs and Titch before the buy, that's going to be dangerous around the buys to manage. I think I'm going to do that. You're going to do it. You're going to yeah. run the risk. I'm going Dunkley. I'm going McRae for reliability. I'm going Kelly as my risk. And then I'm bringing in Titch. I'm going four deep for that buy. But I'm going to trade aggressively in those first two buys to make sure I have enough cover. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, it's about how many you've got on. Well, how, how do you not have them? Like, is it, and, you, and if, what are you going to wait until after their buy to bring them in? You can't do it. No, nah, I probably. I, it, I'm, it's I'm, risky, but it is a strategy worth considering. I'm yeah. not really like I'm interested in Bont after the buy as oh, well. Oh, Bont, me but, too. But but the issue is after if, after again. So Bont after his buy, that means you've now got. You could have brought someone else in, and yeah, yeah, exactly. You could have got someone three weeks earlier, and that's a lot of points that it is. you're giving up in that three weeks. It is. So it's it's an interesting predicament. There, I think the one thing this year is that there is a lot of midfield premiums. There's a lot, and there's a and lot. They're well, all and like, they're, well, there's about eight to eight midfield premiums that you could actually. Bonafide say one fifty. Say plus. that I reckon they'll be top eight to ten, and there might be a couple of surprises, but genuine premium quality. Whereas you look at the defense line, eh, eh, right? Yeah, there's it, a lot of eh. They're good, but will they be top six to ten? I think so. But like, eh. there's a lot of like, oh yeah, I might average a hundred. Same with the forward line. Oh, I can average ninety five. Well, forward line, I like but, three people. Three people, as far as I think that they will still yeah. be top six and. The, the, the above consideration that I'm taking out of most of my preseason teams is this. Most of those guys, because it's so heavily stacked at, say, a 115-plus average, remember that when you look at averages over a 22-game period, usually what happens is they're, they're averaging like 120, 125, and then by the end of the year, they're averaging like 115. Because a, a smaller sample size... Uh, is it means that they're going to be averaging higher in a short amount of time, generally. Uh, if you have 22 games, then over those 22 games, it sort of equals equalizes out. So that first 10 games that they might average, what, 135, but then averaging 120 by the end of the year. Does that make sense? Mm. The, the more games you have, the easier it is to average slightly lower. So if they're averaging one, 120 over that time, their price isn't going to fluctuate that much. So it means that all of these midfielders that we're looking at to upgrade to they're all going to be over 600k. 
Now, if you want to try and get to a midfielder that's over 600K, it's even hard. at the buys, it's hard. you're looking at three trades. Like, you'd have to downgrade two rookies and then one upgrade. Even then, Bontepelli was on a heater, had a, had a bad game, and then we're like trying to pick him up at 560 as a bargain. Yeah, like, and like, like, where do you get the five, cash from? Yeah, he's 560. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so the, and hard. so the only other way you're going to get that is A, someone gets injured and then you can sideways, which is uh, which is an option. If you know, one of your midfield just goes down, then you can just sideways to another one. But I honestly think that that's why you've got to spend more money in your midfield this year because it's going to be so hard to get to these players. They're all going to be Whereas over 600k. Forwards and defenders are notorious for throwing out an 80. And then you can pick up, you know, a Rory Laird for 500k or 400, one down, one up, yeah, 450 or, 450 or something, or 460. yeah. Yeah. The forwards and defenders are going to be easier to upgrade to. So start. That's why I'm thinking of starting with that one Whereas extra man. The consistent people, even like an Oliver, even though we you don't like Oliver as much this year, but Oliver's consistent. He hits 100, 100, 100. I don't mind Oliver in no. my team. I just don't want him starting my team because I yeah. he's a great upgrade target because he'll probably 550k somewhere during the season. But he's still going to be around about that top 10 mark. Yeah, he could be anywhere from 550 to 600. And, Absolutely. Yeah, Whereas sure. the okay. other guys, even Bont, I can imagine Bont being over 600K when I want to pick him up, which is just annoying as hell. Yeah. And then if there's someone else, like a, you might see um, a Sloan might be like 520. And then yeah. it's kind of like, uh, he can win me some or games. Or a Ward that goes yeah. big on the back end. You can pick him up super cheap you know, at the buys. You know, there's, there's other guys in there that you, you, you'll probably get because you're just forced to. And your last, you know, M8 or M M7 usually is a cheaper option. It's not usually a top tier mid. So that's why I'm thinking of starting with a heavier midfield. Just thinking, Callum would be uh, getting a bit of trouble if he went to prison. Callum Ward, big in, <laughs> big in the back end. He's always big in the back end. <laughs> a little bit of subtle innuendo. Um, okay, so we did get a little bit off track there. However, it's just to give you an idea on how important the Hawks are and Titch particularly with the structure. So we're talking yeah. a little bit more structure and strategy because, again, this is the... I think Titch is hugely important to the year. Well, this is the Tom Mitchell and Sick Dog podcast, basically. We haven't Absolutely. even touched on Sick Dog. My next premium, there's only two premiums. Uh, actually, look, you know what? Three. I'm going to include Warpool in that. So um, Sick Dog, 509k. Patton could heavily influence the fact that Sicily won't play forward. However... However, again, it's the Bevo of Hawthorne. Uh, you, Clarko might throw Sicily forward. He was notoriously a forward to start. He was a forward. I think it's and more reliant on Jack Gunston than it is about McAvoy. Yes. So Gunston and also and could have, could swing back. Gunston being that. So you have Patton, you have Gunston, you have... Uh, who else am I thinking of? Hang Tim O'Brien. Tim O'Brien was the other one, if they're in the forward line. His issue... Gunson's injured right now, and I don't yes. think he plays round one. And I remember because Chris didn't know this about a week ago. I didn't. <laughs> so we'll get to him. I still think Sicily early is a risk that I'm not willing to take. Yes, but I do. Again, I like him as a long term defender. I think you're paying too much for him though for his early output. Yeah. So I, I like Sicily, and I have a gut feel Sicily is going to be a good option. Um, look, Sicily, he. Averaged 100.1 before the buy, but after the buy, he averaged 87.8, and that's when he went into that forward line. I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but again, there is no certainty that his role won't change, and that's the issue. It's the issue. Um, and, but- it, and it's the, the worst problem than that is you don't actually know before the game starts. So the game starts, Sicily's forward, and you're like, oh, here we go, yeah. another 45 for Sicily. Basically, but yeah. if they throw him in defense for a quarter, he gets like 40 points for the quarter, gets 80 for the game, and I'm like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. daylight robbery... He did average 105.1 in 2018, so that's where there is value in Sicily. He's cheap. He has the last buy, which is where I think he has merit. Yep. But again, we're talking about you know, Gunston. If Gunston plays round one, then that's a godsend. But here's the issue with Gunston, is that if he is 
not fit or not playing, they might need someone forward for yep. the first month. Or that, however long it takes getting ready. And so does that is that Tim O'Brien? Yeah, what, so how does their forward... And it, you won't know. No, we don't know. And that's the problem. And the shit thing is... What, is that, day, what game, what day, day do they play in round one? Because this know. could That could be... Let's have that a sound, look. That sounds like a job for Chris. I think it might. they might be playing Sunday, um, but which won't be great. The big thing is, and I'll get into to Jack Gunston, okay? So he came... I think he was came back sore from the, pre, uh, the they pre-season. They play Sunday, so you won't know before lockout uh, what, the, what the teams are. Um, so, so the thing with Gunston is he went away. He was uh, had some issues... At the end of the season, they said, okay, rest will fix you. So he went away, took t- took a load off his legs, right, as you do, trying to help everything, comes back sore. So he came back sore. So I don't know, maybe or maybe he did do some training and came back. Either way, he came back into the preseason sore. And like, this isn't a good issue. And then basically they have a look, and then he had ankle surgery in December. Yep. So he's missed a big Lower chunk. leg injuries. To he's missed a big chunk. Players. He had ankle surgery in December. He, they said he's out for six weeks and he won't come back until the middle of February. Now, if you take time off in the off-season or maybe even try to push through or something rather, but you come back, you come back sore. You're not doing much of training to begin with. Then by the time they have it all assessed and work out a plan of action, he then has this, like, you know, ankle surgery in December. Six weeks. So it was end of December. So middle of February, yeah. he's now trying to come back. And that's a hard thing to do a month before the season starts. I'm not sure. I'm not positive that he starts round one. I, 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 which puts a huge question mark to me on... Yeah, because he, he's, he's a mobile forward. You need him mobile. And he's a direct replacement for Gunston. Like Gunston and Sicily are so similar in terms of the way yeah. they attack the ball in the forward line, the forward half. And they They're that third tall to get up the ground. Or in, essentially, Sicily took Gunston's role back in defence. Because exactly a couple right. of years ago... Yep. Sicily, you know, Gunston was in defence. They were doing one to do, yeah. So, um, so for me, it's a for Gunston. I would be holding off in a draft league, even though he was crap to begin with, average eighty or seventy nine and change. Yeah, but he's had he's had a, a good traditional. He, I don't mind scoring. him. I don't mind him as value, but you wouldn't want to pick him at a ninety average oh, in draft. No. You'd wait even low eighties. You'd be like, yeah, sweet, you get a Gunston. Someone else will pick him up, man. Someone will. Oh, someone There's no way him. that he'll pick. I'll pick him up before someone else will. Yeah, I'm with you yeah. on that. Based on the injuries, I will let someone else take Gunston, and he has a notorious roller coaster sort of ride. Yep, he might be a great trade-in target for draft, and wait for him to start horribly. Buy low, buy low. Yep, yep, like a store that used to be around. That's um, true. Anyway, so for me, that the Gunston thing does put a big issue on Sicily, and I was big on Sicily more than anyone that he, I know. He was in your starting. He team was in for my starting squad, and I yep. still love him. But the fact that Gunston, I think, has an impact on him. The other consideration is less certain. Can you trust Patton to be fit for the whole season? And then you're back to square one. It sucks. It's it's, but just, I have a, it's one of those. There's so risks. many question marks on Sicily that why would you take the risk? I, I can't now. That's what I mean. And I wanted to. I yeah. wanted to because I think his ceiling is so high he could damage you. And he played like a lot of games this year. He played um I think he played Let's pretty have much. Have a look at how many season. teams he's in, because that also may be an influencing factor. Surely he's sick dogs less than ten percent. Uh, the last one I'll get into is Warple. While Chris finds that information, sure. he's five hundred twenty-seven k. He's a midfielder only. Not surprising. He played midfield. He did, yeah. Only throughout the year. But here's the thing: Warple as a midfielder, he got a lot of points, particularly in the back end of the year. I think he kind of took a little bit more ownership. Um, basically, his rise in fra- in fame came from. Um, twenty percent of teams currently uh, have Sicily. Twenty, no, nah, pass on him. Pass. Um, oh, Hard pass. Even I, I like him, and even I would pass at that point. Twenty percent, yeah, that's that's so high. Jesus, he's, that must mean he's one of the um the highest Highest defenders. defenders. 
And well, there you go. Now bank against Sicily and hope he just has a brain fade like Toby Green and hit someone in the face. Um, Zach Williams is 22. I'd rather Zach Williams over. I would. Yeah, I would. Over him at this point. Um, anyway, so Warple, uh, Henderson pretty much started off really well, then dropped down. And Warpool pretty much was where we thought just before the final series, essentially. So the last, like, what, six games or something or other. The last seven rounds, he was kind of averaging around that 86 mark like we said he probably would. And then it's like he just took this ownership. He had free reign. He was now the bull. Henderson was a bit more outside, I think, and yep. averaged less. And the correlation between the two is actually quite outstanding. But he averaged 115.7 his final rounds, Warpool. He yep. went massive, which then inflated his average to a 97. So he went from like an 86 being essentially, for those that brought him in, being not... Uh, uh, well, pick. people brought him in at the start of the year. Pick. People brought him in at the start of the year expecting him to be a top 6 to 10. Yeah. And he wasn't at A that lot point. of people traded him out. Yeah. And, because he wasn't 6 yeah. to 10 at that point. And then, so for most of the season, he was actually a bad pick for those that had him. And then he comes out with a 115.7 over his final seven rounds. Next one, he averages 97. And he's one of the top forwards. Yep. Just like that, all of a sudden he's a good pick. So uh, the key thing is, though, he's a midfielder only this year, and Titch wasn't there last year. So completely for standard, don't pick him. He is 527K, so don't pick him. I can't imagine him increasing his average, and I think he goes down slightly. I think he, there's not, there's I think not he's as still a good ball. player. I think now he's actually put himself into the mix of their midfield. But again, with Titch there, his role might change. I could see him. He might even average like an 87 to a 92. But... He's not, as a midfielder now, he's not standard relevant. No. And he's not draft relevant at his 97 average. Let some other, you know, Neville nobody or rookie. If he held his forward status, which he, obviously with his role he'd is be never going to happen. Good, he'd be good value. He would be great value. Because I think he's still probably in that 90 to 95 range. Yeah, which but he still, still okay. is now overpriced. Yeah. And someone in draft is still going to pick him up over their inflated average. And I can't wait for someone to pick up Warple at a 97 average in draft, and I will just applaud that. I'll be like, yes, great pick. Go Absolutely. you. Enjoy that 87. Good effort, boys. Uh, rookies, there's only a couple to touch on, so I don't want to delve in. I know we've gone on a bit longer today. That's um, fine. Matthew Walker, one to watch. He's 123K forward, and Jackson Ross, a 123K yeah. forward. These were both guys that were high picks for Hawthorne, but a high pick for Hawthorne was like pick 30s. 50 to 68, <laughs> right? But development players... Um, Matt Walker was pick 64, had some injuries, but he's shown a lot of promise and is highly rated internally as a forward. Yep. So I think they went for developmental players, some bigger guys, forwards that take a bit of time, but don't get picked high up. Uh, Jackson Rosso is probably more so the important one. was one of the leading goal kickers in their VFL side, but he struggled to earn his chance because they put him as a similar mould to Gunston. Okay. And that, so explains why, that explains why he was below in the pecking order. So if they rate him similarly... He might actually get some games. So for me, Jackson Ross might actually get a gig. And if he plays well, they might even find a different role It's for all preseason, right? So if, if he goes well in the preseason, may even get around one spot. Yep. Um, basically, the only other mid-price contender I have, and I know people are waiting for Jago Mira to break out and average a 110, Never which gonna happen. I don't think is going to happen. Not behind Titch. Um, but Chad Wingard is a really interesting one. So he's 412K. He's actually in a few sides. Uh, I can't remember the exact amount at this point in time, but he's 412K. You know I was big on him last year, but yeah. he just didn't get the midfield time until late in the season. I'm big on him this year, but the problem is is that you know you have Jack Stephen who could probably have the same output for about 50K cheaper, and yep. you could do a lot with 50K. Or I'm looking at even going even more expensive, and like there's so many good options, like a Heaney. I'd rather a Heaney over a winger. Yep. You know what I mean? I'd rather pay the extra dollars. It, it's a, it's an awkward price point for the forward line because you're either going... I think in the forward line, you're either getting... Premiums or you get the mid-price. Premiums or mid-price. Like, 
And yep. that 400 map barrier is just that little bit too much. Well, no, that is about opinion. 80k more expensive than a Devon Smith. You yeah. Know? And like Chad Winger could match Devon for output. You never know. Um, Chad could do anything because Chad's talented he and is. We, it's all role related with him. And what their midfield mix is like, we won't know until round one. Correct. But here's where I think Chad Wingo comes in handy because Hawthorne are missing that, that flair. They have the. Oh, the, it's the X Factor, that, yeah. The X Factor. They have the Pitbull, you have Tom Mitchell, you have, say, a Warpool and a Jago Mira rotating through. You need. They're all similar players. Like, they're, yeah, they're good tacklers, they're good at contested ball, they're good at getting it on the outside, yep. but there's no flair to run through into that forward 50, particularly. If you can get that handball on the outside, you have six He's six, the one that breaks the game. Six open. six six. He could bust it right open. Chad Wingard could be an awesome. He should be that them. starting midfielder because I think that the, the rest of them are two one paced. Yes, and they and they are two similar types. Correct. You need someone like him. To, Absolutely, to bust he should it. be in, and he can get contested ball inside, so he yep. can win clearances as well. But I think that like he's not a winger. He's not one that gets a high high accumulation no. uh, possessions on a wing. He's either on the ball. Or he's in the pocket. Yep. And there's nothing in between for Chad Wingard. I don't think that he, he works as no. another type of player. Uh, I'm with you, but he averaged 75.9 for the season, 14 games, did have injuries which affected him immensely. Um, got injured uh, round seven on 49, injured on 11 in round, uh, sorry, round 11 on 43. Uh, true average of 81.1, so I think huge value in draft leagues. I'd happily pick him up at a, even an 86 to an 88. Especially as a forward. As a forward, I'd pick him That's... up in the mid to high 80s, just uh, well ahead of that 75 mark. Uh, and if you got him at 85, people are going to look at last year's average, not even a true average. You yep. pick up an 85, I think you'll be happy. There's at least a 10%. Uh, 10 points possible gotta, yeah, on exactly. the Yeah, exactly. You've got to side. look at the growth factor. Like, what's his potential? His potential output's probably around 95 to 100. If you pick him at 85, That's... you're getting him 10 ahead of where he was, 5 ahead of his yeah. true average. I think he's not going to average you much less than 85 anyway, but he has that 10 points benefit to get to a 95, he's, I think. He's even got... He has a scope to go 100 plus. He does. If he plays midfield all year, which I don't think... I think is unlikely, given the... Clarko he, might... He's only ever done it for like 6 to 8 games. He's yeah. never actually played an entire year in midfield. And I'd love to see him get the reins to be able to just literally go and dominate yep. a midfielder. Uh, track him through the preseason, but you know, again, he his average eighty seven point three his last seven rounds and ninety point seven five his last four rounds. So his Absolutely. last four rounds, ninety eight, ninety one, one twelve, and a sixty two. So still that little bit inconsistent, but he can knock out some great games. He, d- he definitely can. Um, yeah. So otherwise, draft relevance, old man Henderson, I would avoid ninety four point eight. He's a, he's a, cha- a champion, and I say old man. He's only like 30, 31. So um, he's been at like eighteen clubs. But though, again, he? he had a good start to last year. People remember that. He averaged Old Man Henderson actually averaged seventy nine point six six the last nine rounds when Warple went big the last seven. Yeah. So for me, I would just avoid Henderson even at a ninety four point eight average. I would just leave him in draft leagues, let him slide through the keeper, get someone else. Get someone with upside. Get someone with upside. He, I don't see any upside to Henderson. Um, Daniel Howe is a good one. DPP relevant this year. He's a defender mid. Average 73.6, only played 12 games. But if he gets a good role, Howe could be one that actually gets you like a nice little 80 average as a defender, which is all you need. Especially um, in deep drafts, I think he's valuable. Yep. And um, basically, Isaac Smith, Bruce Shields, you, you get what you get for those guys. There's nothing special. Liam Shields, if he could ever stop tagging and, and actually nail down an accumulation. His Liam Shields in a nutshell is... When he gets given the reins to do whatever the hell he wants, he, he can, can be he can be good. He can be super damaging. But he'll be one of the first that Clarko will give him a role. And he's always a role player. He, he plays he's a, good a role, he'll play he's inside, good. he'll play outside, he'll be a tagger. Like, he's, a, he's a good role player. He's great for their team. But yeah. crap for Supercoach. Annoying as hell for, especially in draft. I've picked him up so many times in draft. Oh. 
and then he'll go on these runs of like 100 plus scores and then he'll bust out a 40 or and a 50 even and some like, seasons oh. he averages you like 80 or 75 and then he goes a 90 and then he goes down and yeah. then he averages 95 every year's different like, with Liam Shields yeah. Smith I don't I don't see any value in picking up a Smith no he gets you a lot of 80s basically Great for their team, 300s yeah. he got 300s all 110 for Liam uh, so Isaac Smith Average 91 for the last seven rounds. But he, he here's the thing, though. Uh, Isaac Smith averages 87 in wins and 79 in losses. He's a downhill skier. A little bit. But he also, I mean, he's, he gets his big points from you know, running goals. Um, and he sort of trailed off that. Like, when, in, when Hawthorne were in their prime, they were tagging Smith heavily because his run was so damaging. You know why he uh, trailed off a little bit, Chris? Because he missed that goal after the siren. He's been haunted ever since. He can't <laughs> kick a goal anymore. Every time he's like, I missed! I shouldn't have laughed. That's I got, super mean, I but also super accurate. So super accurate. Uh, the last one I want to keep an eye on, we've mentioned him already, is Tim O'Brien. A real smoky. He's a defender forward option, yep. which gives him that good swing. Uh, smoky for draft, not so much for standard. We, Came on late. We start he? off with standard and go a little bit more draft, so if you are still with us, I uh, appreciate that. 16 games, average 71.7. He was picked 28 for them. Yep. So he's one of those guys that's been oh, in the he can system. Play footy. He's been in the system a bit longer. He's got great hands on him. He averaged actually averaged 85.8 his last five rounds. He's 25, he's 193 centimetres. One of those development players, he was and a he fairly high games pick. with Gunston, Well, he was, a fa- he was a fairly high pick. I think he's starting to find his own way now. Yeah. And I actually rate Tim O'Brien as a defender forward swing. I see him averaging you. He could average you 80 to 85 throughout yeah. the year as that good swing option. And for draft, throw him on the bench. He's a good cover for both ends, and I think he could actually do really well this year. Yep, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, there you, go. you actually rate him as well. I know. I, I bet definitely a great bench option. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't put him on fields. No, no, but, but as for bench, he could average you an 80 to 85. Yeah, but like they, they, that's the great thing about having defender forwards on your bench in standards yep. is that you can cover both sides on injury. Yeah, so. and then free up more for your midfield. Absolutely. Uh, but that wraps up the Hawthorne podcast. Uh, look, I know there's been a little bit of strategy, and we did go, on, go off topic a little bit on parts, but again, we're just trying to give you a little bit of insight on different ways of thinking and different ways to sort of you know strategize that's it and um look thank you very much for listening thank you until next time cheers bye the c is for the courage i possess through the drama h is for the hurt but it's all for the honor a is for my attitude working through the patience money comes and goes so the m is for motivation gotta stay consistent the p is to persevere the i is for integrity innovative career the o is optimistic open and never shut and the n is necessary because i'm never giving up see they ask me how i did it i just did it from the heart crushing the competition been doing it from the start they say that every champion is all about his principles Karen. Bye.